Hello listeners, far and wide. You are listening to episode 5 of The BD Frequency. I am your host, Brett Dallas, and I invite you to come with me as we talk about two topics today. First one being psychedelics, and the second one being suspended emotional maturity. Now that's a bit of a mouthful, but I think that you will appreciate the subject matter of that topic when we get to it. First of all, psychedelics. Boy, have psychedelics had an interesting ride in American culture in the past 50 years. Now, I've only been alive for the past 40. But from the reading I've done and the research I've done into psychedelic research, I know that psychedelics have gotten a bad rap for a long time. And they are now experiencing a kind of renaissance within the mental health community. And it's because certain psychedelic substances are proving to be beneficial in therapeutic settings. Things like psilocybin containing mushrooms, even DMT, whether it's eaten or smoked, and also ketamine, which is often considered a psychedelic, is now being used in clinical settings to aid people who are suffering from clinical depression anxiety, PTSD, very, very serious mental health disorders are being addressed with these very powerful and still not, not, not too well-researched drugs. There are some very good reasons to think that drugs like psilocybin and LSD could have therapeutic benefits. Now, I've had quite a bit of experience with all the above, which kind of makes me a little more, I don't know, versed on this subject than most. And I've had both the good experiences and the bad with psychedelics. And I've seen them work for some people and I've also seen them seriously deteriorate and take away from some people. So... I feel like I know a fair amount about this subject, which is why I picked it for today's podcast. I want to put a disclaimer before I go any further that I am not encouraging the use of any drugs, legal or illegal. I'm simply sharing my own history of having experimented with some of this stuff and giving my honest opinion about it as well. So I had my first encounter with psychedelics when I was about 15 years old. I was sitting around with a buddy of mine and... We were bored and there wasn't anything on TV and the music videos that MTV was showing us were losing our interest. And so my friend had this brilliant idea that he would go out and he would get some acid. And so he did and he brought it back to the house and it was the the, the very small little pieces of paper and... They looked puny and pathetic to me, which is why I decided to take three of them. That was a big mistake. I uh, had a very bad trip, as it were, and I never quite recovered from it. And you would think that that would be enough to turn me off of psychedelics for the rest of my life. However, the older I got, uh, into my mid-20s, I would say, the more curious I became. But this time, 
more about mushrooms. So I had left LSD alone for a very long time. I was kind of shocked by that first experience. And so I dared go no further. However, I discovered the power of magic mushrooms when I was about 25 or 26. And I was at a festival with my brother and uh, some people we had met were passing around these little chocolates that had mushrooms in them. And so I tried them and boy, did the music take on a different feel quite literally. I do mean that you felt the music more, or at least I did when that happened. And I had a kind of, a kind of strange inward journey as well in that experience. And it, it intrigued me so much and it was very unlike the LSD experience I had ever had. So that experience started me on this path of wanting to learn more about why this experience was so profound. How was it that I was able to gain so many realizations about my life and my context as a human being in this world in such a short period of time through the administration of such a simple little fungus? It was very, very curious to me. And so over the next few years, I would experiment with um, mushrooms in various dosages and various settings and, you know, with loved ones or by myself or in the mountains or in a room. And I, I tried to go to some of these places that I had heard of other people going like, you know, transcending reality and having ego deaths and things like that. It started losing its novelty, however, when I was about 35 and I had a, a breakthrough, I would say, mushroom trip that uh, showed me really everything I needed to see. And I believe it was Timothy Leary who said that when you get the message, you hang up the phone, meaning that when you endeavor to go on these psychedelic trips, once you get the knowledge your, your, your soul needs, or once you learn what beauty is truly, you don't necessarily have to stay there in the psychedelic realm then to appreciate that message. You, you take that back with you to the real world and you live your life now with that newly formed perspective, or at least that's the way it's supposed to go. So when the novelty of psychedelics wore off for me, like I said, in kind of my mid thirties, I started um, researching its use in microdosing as opposed to actual full-on doses. Because I was hearing more and more about what, what these people in Silicon Valley were doing with LSD. They were taking, and they still are, this is still a very common trend right now, even as I talk with you here today, people in, in, in Silicon Valley and elsewhere are taking very, very small amounts of LSD and mushrooms, psilocybin-containing mushrooms, to supercharge their productivity. So people are using these substances as sort of nootropics, which is kind of why they, <clears throat> they got my interest. And so I've been experimenting with that myself, taking these very, very small doses. And boy, this is something I have to say. It works for one. It's undeniable. It has an, the uncanny ability to keep me focused while also I don't know, becoming more tactile as well. Like I feel my fingers more and I feel sometimes when I play guitar, if, I'm, if, if I do this while I'm playing guitar, I, I feel the guitar more. And 
everything is enhanced, as you might expect, with a, um, with a psychedelic working in your system. And it makes for a better time. It makes for, I don't know, more interesting experiences. I feel more involved and more engaged with my present moment in a lot of, in a lot of the times that I do microdose psychedelics. Um, however, I want to I make this last comment on this subject before we move on. And that is that these substances are not for everyone. Psychedelics are not for the faint of heart. And if you, you go into them expecting a certain outcome, or even if you're interested in just getting high, you're, you may not get what you're looking for. And so I, I really feel like with all drugs, of course, you want to proceed with caution, but especially in the world of psychedelics, you can actually really mess yourself up. Um, and have a, a kind of PTSD as a result of a traumatic bad trip. And I don't want that for anyone, not any of my listeners, not anyone I would meet. It's not a good time. I've been there. It's not enjoyable. And you can really mess yourself up. So please do your research, proceed with caution. And by the way, test your substances. If you ever do get your hands on some of this stuff, make sure it's legit. Make sure you know your source. Um, and so that brings us to the second topic of episode five's podcast, which is suspended emotional maturity. Now, what do I mean by suspended emotional maturity? Well, to, to illustrate this topic, I want to tell you a story. And for this story, we're going to have to go back to about 1989. Um, I was a 10 year old little boy living in Southern California. And I was, and still am, a brother to a twin and another brother. So three boys from the same mother. And I was growing up in Southern California in a household with my mother and my twin brother and our dog, Buster. And uh, one morning, I awoke to find that my mother had stopped breathing. And she was in cardiac arrest in her bed and I'm going to spare you the details of what happened next but suffice it to say that uh, on a day in September in 1990 I had an experience that locked me into the mind of a 10 year old boy and kept me there until I got out of that suspended state of emotional maturity many years later and so this is what I mean when I refer to this, this phenomenon or this topic as suspended emotional maturity, when, when something happens in life and it can be a trauma, it can be a loss, it can be a near-death experience. It, there are a lot of different things that can, that can do this, I've found. But when something so abrupt and so shocking happens to some people, especially at a young age, they can become sort of shocked into a state of suspended emotional maturity, which means that whatever happens to them in the, the time after that traumatic experience, they're not going to respond as normal, normally matured people or people that have you know, gotten to where they are naturally without the same amount of loss or trauma. And that can be really hard for people. People, they don't develop coping mechanisms very well when they're in this place. They don't know how to react to things like uh, sorrow or deaths in the family. Or when it is time to be emotional, they don't know how because they've been 
they've been suspended because of this shocking trauma that they've never really come to terms with because they're too young. They don't know how. And so, as I said, this is much more marked for people who are much younger, like I was, maybe pre-teen years. Um, as we as we get into teenage years and, and on, we develop abilities to, to, to deal with shocking stress, like deaths and you know abrupt losses. But when you're very young and that happens, at least in my case, I found myself in a state of suspended emotional maturity. I was unable to proceed in my emotional development um, because of where I was. I was unable to process uh, losses and the, the the normal ups and downs of life because I, I was, again, I was locked into a, the mind frame of that 10-year-old boy. Now, it took me probably until I was about 20 years old, maybe 22, before I actually started going to therapy um, to try to address this. And the reason that I knew I needed to do that was because I was manifesting a lot of these depression and anxiety-related symptoms, and I couldn't really pinpoint it. So I was, I was working, you know, when I got out of college, I was 21, 22. Uh, it had been 11 or 12 years since my mother's death. I felt like I had moved beyond it. But really, in fact, what all I had done over the past 10 years was I had ignored that 10-year-old boy that needed to grieve the loss of his mother. And I moved into, you know, puberty and pubescence and adulthood and all the rest of it, you know, college and getting a job and dating and, you know, hobbies. So there there I remained for those 12 years. I remained in that suspended state of emotional maturity in which I didn't become any wiser, really. I didn't learn how to hurt, right? I didn't learn how to heal. I didn't learn how to, you know, to cry and to really feel that and and, and to understand pain and to know loss and to to, to grieve, by the way, because I feel like we, we learn how to grieve as we get older. When you're young, you don't really know how to do that. No one, no one's telling you how to grieve. Right. And, and so anyway, I, I feel like there are a lot of us probably, maybe you're one, one of you, um, my listeners, if you're listening to this now, maybe this is one of you who, for whatever reason, you've remained in a state of suspended emotional maturity because of unprocessed trauma or loss or grief. And uh, maybe it was something that happened at a young age, or maybe it was something fairly recent, but even still. Uh, you're so still shocked and traumatized by whatever happened that it's because it's too painful to take a step forward. You just don't. Right. And that's completely understandable. I I totally understand that. I mean, if, if, if there was a 10 year old boy that I knew and he suddenly lost his mother and didn't know how to deal with it, I would totally understand it. If this, this, this poor little boy just, you know, kind of locked up and, didn't feel for years. I mean, I would get that and I would hope you would too. It would be totally understandable. So anyway, this, this story has a happy ending. You know, it really does. I'm not, I'm not not painting a bleak picture. I believe this, this thing, this suspended emotional maturity thing is a real thing. And I think that the longer we, we, we put off dealing with whatever our, our, our past traumas are, our, our past grieving loss, you know, whatever, all, all of it, the longer we put that off, the more we, we remain unable to actually grow as spiritual 
and emotional beings. Um, I've seen this in my life now as I've you know sort of closed the book on processing the death of my mother, which here I am, 40 years old, and I'm just now able to say, you know what, I've, I've really, I really feel like I've genuinely crossed this bridge. It's taken this long, you know, I mean, <laughs> what happened 30 years ago has been impacting my life in such a dramatic way, and I'm just now kind of feeling like, okay, I can turn the page now. I mean, that, that, that's, that's serious, right? This is, this is life work here. This is putting in the hard stuff. You know, and, and I know everyone, I know that, you know, you've dealt with stuff like this. You wouldn't be a human being who's made it as far in life as you have if you haven't had to deal with things like this. Abrupt, painful losses, traumas, deaths, uh, you know, horrific car accidents that steal someone from your life or more than one person or the loss of children, God forbid. Uh, there are so many ways to grieve and suffer in this world and this is what makes us human. So I'm, the older I get, the more I observe in other people this suspended state of emotional maturity, the more I hope that, that they come around. And I hope that they see that it's worth dusting off that prior trauma. It's worth going back and, and healing old wounds. It is worth doing all of that work for the person you'll become on the other side of it. I promise you, I'm proof in the pudding. I would not be the confident, capable person I am today were it not for the hard work that I did in climbing that mountain of grief and losing my mom. Um, and it also makes me a lot more empathetic and a lot more capable of dealing with and talking to other people who are going through something similar. So I find myself very easily availed to people who are suffering or in sorrow. And if that's you, if, if you're someone right now who is dealing with something very difficult, maybe a loss, a recent death in the family, someone close, maybe a friend, a pet, um, you know, I know it may not seem like much, but my email address is brettdallas at gmail.com. It's B-R-E-T, uh, Dallas, D-A-L-L-A-S, brettdallas at gmail.com. Um, if I can be a, an ear of any kind, I promise that I will try offer some advice if I can. Uh, I feel like I've gained a lot of perspective in my 40 years, having seen a lot, dealt with a lot. Uh, I've loved a lot and lost a lot. So uh, I can probably relate with whatever it is, but you know, try not to keep all this within you. Um, as shocking as uh, and, and as stilting as your trauma might be, uh, the only way for it to get out of you is for you to talk it out. And um, I've done that. It's taken years. But I think with anyone it's possible, regardless of the extent of the trauma or the damage done. And folks, that brings us to the end of episode five. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for supporting this podcast. And if you came here from YouTube, thank you for your support there. I love you all. And uh, I hope to release episode six here soon. So stay tuned for that. As always, I am wide open to any um, suggestions or recommendations for topics to cover here on the BD Frequency. If you are someone who, if you think you might have something to share with my audience, I'm open to doing interviews, by the way, with some of my listeners. So if that's something that, that interests you, if you work in the mental health community, or um, you think that you might have something interesting to say to my listeners, I'm wide open um, to having some interviews. So I'll leave it at that. 
My email address again is brettdallas at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. I love you all. Peace, love, and light. I will see you and you will hear me next time.